pouring your heart out to us and being a good, good father. Amen. Yeah, I'm telling you, when, when I take, I mean, I don't think anybody writes more notes in this church than me. And when I write my notes, some of the things, I circle it. And um, some of the things I know that, you see, because I live with him, if I'm not practicing what he's teaching, he knows. Why are you people laughing? Yeah. <laughs> so, so he has to see that I have understood the word. And I'm, I'm really grateful for the husband God has given me, the pastor that God has given Oh, I am totally, totally, totally. I am, I am not ashamed to tell you that I love my husband. Oh, I am not ashamed at all to tell you. I mean, nobody can love him more than me. And if you are doubting, you can ask my children. Yes, they know, they know, they know that he's the lover of my life. They, they know, they know. Yeah, 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 yes. Yes, yes, yes. And you would have thought that after 21 years, it will wear out. It is sharper than before. So, this one is for free. This, the one you have to pay for. Yesterday, we were, we were at a 50th, and they, they had these questions. Questions that the, the celebrant had been asked, and she had answered. And uh, they asked the, the husband, to answer the same questions to see if, since they've been married, if they are really, really that close. Then they ask a certain question, and you know, you, this is your uh, pastor that you have. I couldn't help but open my mind. I say, This question, we cannot answer it in public. So I told the pastor, Don't answer this question. Take the faith. It's a trap. Don't fall into the trap. So some of you want to trap me, and I will not fall into the trap. Amen. Amen. Listen, when the word of God is about to be preached, you can't afford to be dull. You can't afford to fall asleep. So if somebody's by you, just shake the person. Say, wake up, wake up, wake up, wake up, wake up, wake up, wake up. Hallelujah. You see, sometimes when, when, you are, when you come to church, imagine yourself that if you were the pastor. One day I was watching a, a, a video of a service, and the, the pastor, they had done small clips of the pastor's face. And the pastor was showing it. And then some of them, he had squeezed his face. Some of them, you know, because there were videos that had been taken that he didn't know. So like when he's just sitting in front there, you know, what he's doing or, and they are just, and they are showed. And 90% of the time he had frowned. I said, that must be my brother from another mother. And then he explained, you know, that that was his resting face. I said, me too, that's my resting face. I get you. And the church members were laughing. So when they show each one, then they will laugh, then they and they showed all. He said, now you have seen mine. Now see yours. <laughs> so they started showing the congregation faces over the year. So it was like a year-long thing. So they were taking clips. Some of them, maybe the people are fast asleep. Some of them, they're on their phone. They're doing something. It wasn't a joke. He said, you saw me. Now you to see you. He said, you see what I go through. I stand here and I see all this. Yeah, so please, just shake somebody. Tell the person that you don't know when your video will be on the screen. Yeah, they are recording right now, isn't it? So you don't know when your face will be on the screen. So tell the person, fix your face. It was one of the instructions my mother used to give. After she has smacked you well, well, and then you frown, tell you, fix that face. Before you get a second load of what you just had. Hallelujah. Amen. How many of us are looking forward to the end of the year and into 2019? Yeah. But don't just look forward into it. Prepare yourself for it. Amen. But before you prepare yourself for it, finish 2018 well. We like new things too much. We like new girlfriends, new boyfriends, new wives, new clothes, new shoes, new, new everything. We want new, new, new. Now we want a new year. Meanwhile, you haven't done any much with the old year. Uh, I, I know. Uh, you were wondering where I was going with that. Yeah. Yeah, we like new things too much. So let's finish 2018 well. Otherwise, very soon, 2019 will also become an old year. 
Yeah. How many of you, after you got a new girlfriend, you realized that she was just like the old? Plus or minus a few changes. <laughs> it's a trap. It's a trap. It's always a trap. Yeah. <laughs> you look at the new one, and then an old African song can easily come to your head. Focus, focus, focus. Focus, focus. 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 Reverend, why have you allowed this woman? You have set her loose. He does that every year. So, unfortunately, you have stuck with me for a while. And tap your neighbor and say, she will get better. Just make your prayer stronger. Yeah, when your prayer gets stronger, she will get better. Amen. You know, Reverend has been talking to us about fighting discouragement, isn't it? We have been trying to be as committed as we can in different areas and all that. So I thought I've got to follow on. So let's look at Matthew chapter 11. And full disclosure, I like using my ghetto Bible always. Amen. So because it's always a message. Amen. So most of the time when I'm reading, you look in your Bible and it doesn't look the same as it is. I don't know. Joel, do you have the message Bible? Oh, good. So if you don't have a message Bible and you want to read what I'm reading, you can just look on your screens and you'll be okay. So we are going to read from, we are reading Matthew 11. We are going to read from verse 7 to 15. And um, every Christian must like scripture. So we'll read a lot of scripture because nobody can explain the thing like the scripture can explain it. Amen. Yeah. You cannot be a Christian and not love the word of God. Amen. That is why we come into the house of God. So I'm going to read Matthew 11 from verse number 7 to 15. Let your mind be on the word. Yeah. I might even read from verse 6 for good measure. You know, I'm one of those people that when I enter a shop, even if it's a Selfridges or Harrods, I still ask for a discount. So if you're going shopping with me and you are easily embarrassed, don't come with me. You'll be at the till and you'll be like, what is this woman doing? Uh, yesterday I was in the shop with one of my nice, beautiful little girls and as we got, and it was a very, very, you know, expensive shop and everybody there was just picking and she was just looking at me and as we were getting something, we got the thing and she thought, Today, this woman won't do anything because we're almost done. Then the woman behind the table made a mistake and asked, are you okay? I said, no, I'm not okay because I was hoping that at least there'll be some special discount for how long we've been in the shop. And um, the fact that they couldn't get exactly what they wa we wanted, but they got something close to what we wanted. So for that disparity, there must be some level of compensation. She said, um, she was confused. I don't think she's ever had to deal with such an awkward situation. So she went to her manager, whispered, came back holding a calculator. I told the guy, I said, you see, that persistence brings the increase. Then she was calculating, some calculator something. Then she said, um, unfortunately, we can only reduce it by, I said, keep talking, keep talking, just keep talking. Yeah, when we went out to the shop, I said, watch and learn. Amen. So when you have scripture and then I give you an extra, if I, when you are giving scripture, I say, can I have an extra verse? Amen. From verse six, it says, is this what you were expecting? <laughs> I mean, when you were coming to church this Sunday morning, is this what you were expecting? <laughs> then count yourself most blessed. When John's disciples left to report to John, Jesus started talking to the crowd about John. What did you expect when you went out to see him in the world? A weekend camper? Hardly. What then? A shake in silk pajamas? <laughs> you see, that's why I also want you to read the Bible. So I know that I'm reading the Bible. It's not any... I don't know why they chose a shake. They could have chosen, you know... Not in the wilderness. Not by a long shot. What then? A prophet? That's right, a prophet. Probably the best prophet you will ever hear. 
He is the prophet that Malachi announced when he wrote, I'm sending my prophet ahead of you to make the road smooth for you. Let me tell you what's going on here. No one in history surpasses John the baptizer. But in the kingdom, he prepared you for the lowliest person. The lowliest person is ahead of him. For a long time now, people have tried to force themselves into God's kingdom. But if you read the books of the prophets and God's law closely, you will see them culminate in John, teaming up with him in preparing the way for the Messiah of the kingdom. Look at, look, look at in this way, John actually is the Elijah you've all been expecting to arrive and introduce the Messiah. Are you listening to me? Are you really listening? So that's my question to you this morning. Are you listening to me? Are you really listening to me? Then we see Jesus describing a man who had a certain fortitude and a certain, you know, depth. And so I thought we'll continue. And for the next couple of weeks, we're going to be talking about fighting shallowness. Amen. Fighting shallowness. Amen. Yes, because you realize that in our Christian work, we have to battle with shallowness. In our relationships, we have to battle with shallowness. Even in the way we think, the kind of ideas we have, the plans we take. Haven't you seen people take very shallow plans? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, some people's plan ended over the weekend when the Black Friday got finished. Since January, that was what they were looking forward to. So they, sometimes your, your, your ideas, your plan, your vision, it's very shallow. Yeah, what do you hope to be in future? And sometimes even our knowledge on certain subjects or certain issues is very shallow. When we are, you are talking about the topic, we know that you don't know the topic. Do, do, do you understand? Yeah. You know, and, and, and sometimes that's why you see that the Bible can even describe things like, you know, let the elderly uh, women teach the younger women how to. But then it qualifies and says godly. Do you understand? Because you realize that a person can be old and still be shallow. And somebody can be young and deep. So this one is not about age. <laughs> Do you understand? Yeah. But by virtue of your output, we'll know your level of shallowness. Yeah. And you realize that all of us may be shallow in different areas. Do you understand? As we go uh, uh, looking at it, you realize that, mm, okay, this place is not good. This area. Yeah. You see that some of us, when we are talking about love, our concept of it is very shallow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Our concept of love is very, 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 very shallow. Oh, he must really, really love me. You know, instead of buying one beggar, he bought me two. All through scripture, you see that scripture tends to highlight a lot of the disadvantages of being shallow and a lot of advantages for having depth. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? And, and, and it frustrates me because I feel that the world has understood depth more than Christians. In fact, for a lot of us even sitting here, before Christ, we had a lot of depth in all the wrong things. Then now that we are in the faith, we are so shallow as Christians. I haven't started, haven't I? Sure. I just wanted us to look at a couple of scriptures so that we, we, we assure ourselves that this topic is an important topic. Yeah, tell, tell somebody by you that this topic is a, an important topic. So show, show the attitude. Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4. It, it shouldn't be that way. Yeah, you know, scripture even encourages us that, listen, when it comes to bad things, be ignorant. When it comes to bad things, be ignorant. I was come to give some examples. It's not even good for, it's not good for Sunday. No, 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 can't give this. I can't bring a Wednesday on to Sunday. This, uh, this example is not even good for Wednesday. <laughs> Mark chapter, hey, you probably have to be praying for me because <laughs> every time I want to give you a window onto a point, then I see that I'm at a bad location. <laughs> I have to come back. Mark chapter 4, 
we'll just, we'll just stick to um, scripture. Yeah. We will look at how shallowness is used. Every time it's, it, it appears in scripture, it's not a good thing. It's not a place you want to be. Do, do you understand? Yeah. I mean, and you see, we can't say that we can't be deep because where, where we are pulled, we are really deep. Some people's knowledge of football is overwhelming. Oh, in 1972, George Weir was the one who called in eight, oh, even before, in fact, the first football, the first goal that was ever scored, you'd be surprised. Then when he has finished all that, he said, oh, now can you pray over the dinner? Mark chapter 4, it says verse 16, you know, it was talking about the parable of the sower. I don't even know why we always say the parable of the sower. It's like, I think it should be the parable of the seed. Yeah, because it was the movement of the seed that is the issue. <laughs> Mark chapter 4, one of the locations, it said verse 16, and some are like the seed that lands in the gravel. Some of us, they are describing us as gravel. When they first hear the word, they respond with great enthusiasm. That's the charismatic Christian for you. Pastor, preach. Pastor, preach. You're preaching good. Great enthusiasm. Ah, and then sometimes, haven't you noticed that sometimes, if a message can come, then you see somebody who move from the back. Verse 17, but there is such shallow soil of character that when the emotions wear off and some difficulty arrives, there is nothing to show for it. After we have gotten excited, you see, that is why, you know, Reverend taught me a long time that as a pastor, even when somebody comes and says, oh, pastor, this church has been a great blessing for me. You know, I am really honored to be in this church. In fact, my life has been transformed. You know, I, oh, God, may God continue to use you to bless her. In fact, may the Lord speak through you always. Oh, Lord. Pastor, every night I pray. When I pray, you are come into my prayers. Oh, may the Lord establish. This house, we shall be strong forever. You and I. Say the enthusiasm. So if you too as a pastor, if you too you are like gravel, and then you're going home based on the joy. Tomorrow you'll be going home strong-headed. <laughs> it says that shallow soil of character. Do you understand? Yeah, so the person's character is very shallow. Yeah, you know, like you have people who are always so eager. Oh, pastor, I'll do it. Oh, oh, I'll, oh, I'll marry you. They didn't even think through the word. So now, after a few weeks, you have to go and back and try and explain. I mean, I don't mean just general marrying. You know, I'm, I'm saying, I'm, I'm trying to explain to you that, you know, marriage is a process. It's a process. I, you know, I meant that we should introduce a process. When you are shallow, you are easily excited and you are easily depressed. You are easily pleased and you are easily frustrated. Levit I'm introducing the topic to <laughs> Leviticus chapter 11. Don't be so quickly, you know. Otherwise, people will always toss you around. That's why Jesus asked them that when you went, did you see, you know, the King James says, did you see a reed tossed to and fro? Did you see somebody was just uh, moving? Some of us, the person we should marry is already by us. But our shallowness prevents us from seeing. Right. 
some of us, the wife we have is a good wife. It's the best wife. But your level of shallowness when it comes to relationship is what is making you not value what you have. Leviticus chapter 11. But anything that doesn't have fins and scales, whether in seas or streams, whether small creatures in the shallows or huge creatures in the deep, Leviticus 11 verse 10. I'm using my message Bible, so if... But anything that doesn't have fins and scales, verse 10, whether in seas or streams, whether small creatures in the shallows or huge creatures in the deep, you are to detest. The point I'm trying to make is that it says that when you are looking for small creatures, you go into the shallow. When you are looking for large creatures, when you are looking for huge creatures, when you are looking for things that will do, can stand, things that are significant, you can't find them in there. When you are looking for insignificant things, you go and look for them in the shallow. Psalm 129, Psalm 129, Psalm 129, Psalm 129, Psalm 129, verse number six. How many of us definitely think that we've got to fight shallowness? We've got to rise above it. Yeah. Otherwise, you can't, you can't achieve much. It doesn't matter how hard you try. Psalm 129, verse number 6. So, it says, people were bothering, you know, the psalmist so much. It says, let them be like grass in shallow ground that withers before the harvest. First of all, grass, you don't need any depth. Yeah, in fact, now you can even manufacture grass and put it on your lawn. Nobody, you don't go and see somebody, the gardener, coming to dig, dig for days to put grass. And so it tells us what happens. It says that before they can harvest, they wither before the time of the harvest. And that's what happens to a lot of Christians. Because you are so shallow, before your harvest, even in your faith comes, you have withered. You have backslidden. You have given up on your faith. But some, some, some of us, we have a good relationship. Before we can see the best of the relationship, we get. Uh, uh, don't lift up your hand. How, how many of us can just analyze and realize that there are a lot of things that we gave up just before the harvest? We gave it in, we threw it away just before. Yeah. Some of us, we've thrown people away that when we see them today, we want, and then we pick things that we should throw that we can't throw. <laughs> Because we don't go so deep into it, before the thing can, because listen, anything that will give you a great harvest can't give you the harvest tomorrow, can't give you the harvest in a few weeks. Yeah, you see, as well as those of us who are young, you want to be a millionaire, you want to be, unless you want to be a thief, an armed robber, a drug dealer, you don't want to get up in the morning and then become a millionaire. Some of us get so excited when we become born again. But rather than spend time getting our faith right, getting stronger in the word, getting deeper in the things of God, oh, I can speak in tongues now. Oh, I'm in the choir now. Oh, and then they assume that all these superficial things have made them very powerful. You even find uh, people who become men of God because one day they told Joe Bloggs that um, you meet your mother at the junction and then she'll be about to fall from the car, and uh, you will be the one there to catch her. And then when the person went out, they, the mother was falling out of the car, and they caught the mother. And they came, and the next day they started calling the man prophet. And then the man too believed that he was a prophet. Before he could harvest that gift as a prophet, he had withered. You know, in some of these places that we keep uh, making jokes about some of these things that prophet days were. A lot of them probably have real gifts. But they are just shallow. Let me give you one more. 
I'm just using scripture to explain that there is nothing beautiful. You know, some pastor was preaching a couple of days ago. He gave a point. He said, this thing is not sexy. I said, hey, I thought I was bad. Somebody's worse. <laughs> so I was just about to say that shallowness is not sexy. Say, pastor, may the Lord have mercy on you. <laughs> I have said it already. I've said it already. I've said it already. Yeah. There is nothing cool about being shallow. Luke chapter 5. After Jesus had preached. Luke chapter 5. The Bible says in verse 4, When he finished teaching, he said to Simon, Push out into deep water and let your net out for a catch. Amen. You can't push out into a pond. You can't push out. <laughs> you want to catch fish. <laughs> you want a great catch. You have to go into deep water. You don't catch fish in shallow water. You cannot be living your life in the shallow margins of life and expect that you have great success, that you have a great... No, no, no. You have to go as deep as you can swim. I'll let that rest there. Because some of us need to learn how to swim. Otherwise, this whole deep thing won't work. One day, you know, I'm going to be the best artist. I'm going to be the best musician. I'm going to be the best singer. I'm going to be the best preacher. I'm going to be the best. You see, those are shallow talk. The one who is going to arrive there is the one who is going to be practicing how to be the best singer, the best artist, the best preacher. Is the one who is investing time, money, energy, efforts, to become the best. It's not the one who is saying it. And it's not the one who looks like it. That is why don't write people off and don't dismiss things around you. Try and look a little bit deeper. Try and look a little bit further. Stop this. Yeah. Some of the brothers, when they say somebody is beautiful, it's nothing. It's a, it's a frustrating thing, and that's why we need to talk about it from the pulpit. Because when your marriage becomes a struggle, we have to deal with it. So if we tell you now that, listen, stop looking at all the things you're looking at, and look at these things that you... To whom to? To whom, for, to whom does this belong to? Hmm. Yeah, that's how they look at it. Oh. So they'll see... Um, the, the bomb going, to whom, to, to whom for, to whom does it belong to? It doesn't belong to you. <laughs> Proverbs chapter 20. Yeah. <laughs> I tell you, this is a test, this is a test, this is a test. Yeah. <laughs> then the one that is stationary like Buddha. And maybe pastor even recommends and say, have you thought of my servant? Pastor, I don't think we are particularly compatible in various areas. She's not my type. But your prayer always must be that you must always pray that, Lord, let me be my type's type. Otherwise, you'll be pointing, this is my type. This is my type. This. And all the ones that you are pointing, they're above you. <laughs> they absolutely don't like you. Yeah. Then the one that you are their type, and they say, oh, that is my type. They say, no, this is not, it's not me. Judging, I'm preaching, I'm preaching. I'm introducing the subject, but I think that <laughs> let's introduce. Let's introduce. We say that we don't want to be shallow anymore. So I have to introduce it in depth so that I can teach it in depth so that you can also identify your areas of shallowness. Sometimes when we are frustrated, you see, when Reverend taught us over and over about fighting discouragement and all that, 
We need to save our energy to fight proper discouragement. And not some of these shallow, shallow issues that we are. After we have fought those ones, we don't have energy for the real things that we should fight. Proverbs chapter 20. Focus. Proverbs chapter 20. Focus. Knowing, verse 5, knowing what is right is like deep water in the heart, in the heart. A wise person draws from the well within. Knowing what is right is like a deep water in the heart. And a wise person draws so it means that for you to know what is right, you must have some depth. Oh, but it's not that bad. It's no big deal. It's not. Yeah. Put this verse on in the King James. There's no way you can be a Christian and be a Christian for a little while and not know what is right. No. Thursday, we're talking about it in our uh, uh, community. Listen, you know what is right. You have just decided you are not ready to do what is right. As well, if you are in this church, you know what is right. How to live your Christian life. How to relate with others. What kind of choices to make. You know. Mississippi. Mm. Counsel in the heart of a man is like deep water, but a man of understanding will draw. A man of depth will draw from it. A man of depth, when you, you give. Do you know there are some people that after a while you have to stop giving advice? You have to just stop giving advice. It, when the person comes to you, you say, oh, uh, refer back to chapter 2. The one we had in 2017, just refer back to chapter 2 and, and, and look at it. And then you realize that the person is making the same mistake. Of, that is when you know that there's no growth. When your mistakes have matured, then you know there's growth. But when your mistakes are the same thing, then you know that advice goes over your head. Yeah. Yeah. When you are being given advice and you find yourself saying that, but, but, you, but, but you don't understand the full picture. What is the meaning of shallowness? I'm going to try and cover as many faces of it and facets of it so that we'll go home and think about it and rearrange certain things. Rearrange. Yeah. You know, this morning, they were trying to put me in trouble. I forgot to tell somebody that um, they had to go for a funeral. I forgot, I forgot. I mean, I forgot. I, I genuinely forgot. My issues are many. And they were trying to create a fight. And I told Reverend, don't worry. I can handle this. I said, the fault is my own. Yeah, but we have to. I said, the, the funeral is over. <laughs> the man doesn't know whether you came for his funeral or not. But you see that the same environment, you can have maybe somebody's unwell or maybe somebody's celebrating their birthday or something. And it's like, I would send you five messages. Make sure you represent us at the birthday. Make sure. And then you say, oh, I couldn't get time. The person's alive to see that you came. The person's alive to appreciate that you came to celebrate with them. But it's no big deal. The person's dead. And you are frustrated. You want to make fight with me. Go and raise the dead and then you can see that. So the first obvious meaning of shallowness is what? Having a little depth. And that's one of the things that I want us to keep at the back of your mind. Is that shallowness doesn't mean that you don't have any depth at all. Because that's the deception. Otherwise you think you are not shallow. Shallowness doesn't mean you don't have any depth. It means you have, but it's a little. Yeah, 
here, but me, I know something about science. Go and operate on somebody's stomach. When, when I was younger, oh boy, we did have medication. When you say your stomach is aching, who do give you medicine? Medicine. Listen, and you see, I, I came from a family where my parents had always dealt in um, drugs. If pastors, oh, your parents were drug dealers. Yes, and you know, they sold paracetamol and I'm, <laughs> I'm pistling and cough mixture. <laughs> yeah. And so after decades of it, you know, my, my, my dad was actually an economist. He's not a pharmacist. My mom was a teacher. She's not a pharmacist, but by virtue of their business, I think in, somewhere at the back of their mind, they thought they had become um, pharmacists. Say, oh, your oh, it's worms, worms, worms. <laughs> They'll give you medicine to kill the worms. <laughs> uh, no, as for the malaria, that one is standardized. I mean, once you have fever, you have to take the malaria. Then, if the malaria doesn't go, we've eliminated that. Then we have to try it. But even that one, they'll add. And they have some things that were sure bankers, whether it's stomach ache, backache. Be complex. They have to. They have to go with any form of medication. Yeah. You see, so in, in actual fact, they had a little depth on the knowledge, on the topic. But it wasn't enough for them to be. Yeah. And that is one of the dangerous things in certain parts of the world. There's no pharmacist that don't prescribe medication for you right now. They'll say, oh, get amoxicillin, take two, three times a day. But those are drugs that when they are not used properly, you become immune to it and it does not work on you. But they don't have that knowledge of the fact that antibiotic means that those things have bacteria. Am I right? An antibiotic is just that. It's still the bacteria, isn't it? But they have refined it to come and fight against the thing. But me, I'm a science student, so. Uh, but I'm not a biology student. I've just asked the, the doctors, and they said it's right, isn't it? Yeah. So it's like you are putting to your body virus that you don't need. And that is why antibiotic is supposed to be given at a level when it's actually needed, not because it's available. Leave you alone. <laughs> Having a little. Death. You shouldn't be proud to say, I've been a Christian for 20 years. I've been a Christian for the last 10 years. That is very irrelevant. You can still diagnose and give people bad medication. Yeah, that is why some people fall into trouble. Because when you meet a person and says, oh, I'm a prophet, or I'm an evangelist, you assume that they have depth in the topic, and so whatever they are delivering is right. Sometimes the most dangerous thing is the little knowledge. Yeah. You see, when you are young and then, uh, here we don't even do that. Then you see the driver driving, then you see that, ah, that's first, that's second, that's third, fourth, reverse. So they'll do it twice, three. The person assumes that they can drive. <laughs> Till they go and sit in the car. They go and steal the car, sit in it, put it into first. They think they have put it into first, and then the next thing they hear is bam. A little knowledge, a little depth is the most dangerous. It's the most, it's, it's not a good thing at all. And you see, it is an illness of Christians and not those of the world. The people of the world, what they know, they really know. But we, what we say we don't know, what we say we know, we don't know. And those who don't know can even argue with us and know more than us. The second thing is that, the second meaning or definition of shallowness is that it is always located near the surface. It is always located near, as for me, I want to be a very nice, decent Christian. You know, I just want to serve God. As for me, I don't really want to. And then they'll do it everywhere. Yeah. 
you know, as for me, once we get to the nightclub, as for me, I don't smoke or, you know, I just sit there and I have a cup of tea. They are always located near the surface. So, so you, you went anyway. You didn't, whatever it is that went on, you didn't enjoy. And you too, when other Christians see you too, they are going to point their fingers at you. Either way. I have a cousin who has passed away. When he was in his teens, when he goes to the nightclub, he sits by that thing. Those times, I think they used to have it like four. Sits, they'll be piled there. He'll put his head there. Then the, the thing will be shaking. He's not shaking. <laughs> Sound will be shaking him, shaking. Then he said that he can't come all the way from home to just come and be loitering around. The song must go straight inside him. <laughs> that is why we don't even enjoy our faith. Because we want to be located around the surface, just at the edge. I don't want my feet to be wet. I can't roll my trousers. Uh, no, no, no. I can't. I don't want. No. And that is why we admire unbelievers. And they make whatever it is they do attractive. Because they have depth in it. And anybody that is showing a passion for that thing, it makes it, even if it's a bad thing, it's attractive. Yeah, I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian. But I'm not that kind of Christian. I'm a more moderate Christian. You know, I'm more, yeah. I don't have that kind of traits that they do. That is an embarrassment to the faith. Ah, number three. Not exhibiting, not requiring, or not capable of serious thoughts. (laughs) So when you're not exhibiting serious thoughts, when you are not requiring serious thoughts, and when you are not capable of serious thoughts, every time your mind moves, moves in the downward direction. What's on your mind? What's on your mind? What's on your mind? I've been thinking and thinking and thinking that if I chew the fly, what would it taste like? The next one, what number are you on? Becoming less deep over a period of time. So you might be swimming in the sea, but you won't realize that really you have gradually come to the edge. Joel, do you have a picture of the pond and maybe a sea? I think I want you to get the difference. Number six, I want us to finish this and then we go home. Number five, being superficial. Can you imagine how many fishes you can catch in this? Then what's the other picture you have? Wow. Hmm. Even the sight of it is intimidating. Being superficial emotionally, spiritually, intellectually. Being superficial emotionally, spiritually, intellectually. You look at everything superficially. Oh, what does the person look like? How much money do they have? You know, sometimes some of these things is why I sometimes preach the way I preach and talk about it. Because sometimes society and traditions even make a lot of women become very superficial in their emotions. But that is an upbringing issue. Because you're a woman, you know, so you're supposed to be really soft. And, you know, so, yeah. And then somehow it molds you. There are things that you should step on, then you let it step on you. 
step on me and me. <laughs> hey, hey, Georgina, don't sing that song in church. They're superficial, even spiritually. And it reflects across the body of Christ. If you say we are having prayer meeting, we are praying for the church. Three people who appear. We say we are having prayer meeting. We are praying for financial breakthrough and double success. 24 pounds for 24 miracles within 24 days. There'll be no space. Even spiritually, we can be very superficial. There are some people, they can't pray unless we engage them. Pray, 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 pray. Continue. Lift your voice and pray, pray. Get, get, check, pray. Hey. <laughs> yeah, you become a, 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 a motivator. And now pastors and then we have become motivational speakers. Even some put it on their social media platform. Um, YouTube blogger. <laughs> Because hopefully that will excite somebody. But your spiritual growth must not depend on excitement. Must not be, somebody doesn't need to motivate you to pray. You pray because you know its value, you know its power, you know its essence. If nobody will come and pray, I'll come and pray. The prayer that will sustain you is not the one when uh, prophet four comes to pray for you. The prayer that will sustain you is the one that you do every day. Next one. Afraid to venture near our deep thoughts and emotions. Most of us, we, we don't go inside our head. Though. We don't go in there. We, we, because if we go in there, we are afraid what we'll see. But if you don't go in there, how will you clean that place up? If you don't go in there, how will you correct things? If you don't go in there, how will you rearrange the things that are there? You need to go in there. Yeah, but Christians, we don't do that. Instead of going in there, we'll pray in tongues. I bind it in Jesus' name. Come, oh, come out right now. Come out from where to where? You have to realize it and be able to sit down with yourself. Do you understand? Realize that why I say that every time I'm thinking, my thoughts are always on this particular issue or in this particular. What is it? What's generating that? Why? And maybe you need to counsel, go and talk about it and say, no, I tend to uh, interpret things this way. When, I, when people talk to me, I see it this way. You know, when somebody says hello to me, I assume they want to sleep with me. I, I don't know why my mind works that way. You have to confront it. Yes. Yeah. In fact, there are many nations that need to confront their, even their own thoughts. Yeah. We don't. We don't self-analyze. We don't self-criticize. We don't, we all, and that is what even makes the house of God so ridiculous. Because every time when we are saying that, you know, all those who are chasing you, may God kill them. But you too, you people too, some of you are chasing people. God should kill you. So when you hear that, what you're supposed to say is that I have to stop chasing or, or maybe criticize people or, or being jealous of people. You know, it's not every time that people are jealous of you. You too, sometimes you are jealous of people. Sometimes you frustrate people. Sometimes you are very wicked to people. Sometimes you are mean to people. Sometimes you don't do good to people. It's not only you that every time people don't do good to. Sometimes you are the offender. You see, but we leave those kind of things out of our head. We don't want to confront it. That is what I'm talking about, about our shallowness. Yeah. Sometimes we are so self-conscious or we are intimidated. And sometimes because we don't confront it, it comes out nasty. Should. Should. We don't talk about things. You know, you find ladies who don't feel that maybe they are beautiful or because things have been said to them and it has played in their mind and played in their mind and played and it has become their reality. Till you can't bring it out there and expose them, put it there and look at it and wash it and put it back like a wig. 
we should stop operating on the surface and hiding things and locking things up and saying that, oh, it's no big deal. You know it's a big deal. It is the one thing that frustrates you. It is a big deal. Let me give you the last one. Let's go. Oh, should I give you this last one? Why was it there at the last place? A shallow relationship is when two people do limited activities together but are sexually involved. A shallow relationship is when two people do limited activities together but are sexually involved. According to Reverend. A shallow relationship is that one or both parties would define it as convenient. Because at a particular moment in time, it is helpful to have that relationship. A shallow relationship is when the relationship is easy and only meets very basic needs. That's why married men have affairs. She's not going to ask you for job money. You don't have to discuss children's school fees. You don't have, no. Well, when she sees you, honey, I've missed you. Oh, the shoe you're wearing is nice. You're looking gorgeous. Ooh. Ah. Ooh. You know? And then, Prince, where are you? I need you. We are closing. Let, let's close the service nicely. Get your microphone. Come and stand by me. Kia, go and sit by. Because we are, we, are, we, we are killing the shallow relationships and the shallow behavior. And the, because, you see, this, it says that when the relationship is easy and meets only basic needs, you want a real... Some of us say, we want to marry, we want to marry. You don't want to marry. Because marriage is not an easy relationship. And you don't only meet basic needs. You meet complicated needs like health issues, financial issues. That's why they'll, they'll just, well, you see, when they go and have an affair, it's very easy. When you're when you leaving, you go home. <clears throat> when you come, they're not coming to ask you much questions at all. If I when you come, they'll say, sit down. Do you understand? And then they'll take your shoes off. How is your day? Then you say, my wife has been worrying me and worrying me. I know, that's why you come here. Let me massage your back for you. And then, and then they'll give you a, a Whitney Houston song. I need priests to help me. I will always love you. And, uh, and don't let me sing. Pray, please. <laughs> sing it, brother. Francis, Francis, don't do <laughs> Can you imagine that your, your house rent has not been paid? Your last born is very ill, has been rushed to the hospital. Your wife has just lost her job. Can you imagine if you come home and then you, you just start? You, 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 you. Right, rise up onto your feet, rise up onto your feet. 